Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. I'm going to start out with a quiz. You ever show up to a class, they give you a pop quiz? This one is a pride quiz. You know, you may be the kind of person who really likes to win all kinds of things. You're probably going to want to lose this one. Uh, you're going to want to fail, at least. It's not a win-lose. It's a pass-fail, I guess. Um, but, you know, to some extent, I'm not going to do that great as well. So let, let's have some fun with this. Let's approach it a little differently. Um, if, if, however you'd like, really. You, you could raise your hand, say, yeah, that's me. You could, you know, raise a little finger like this if you don't want people to look, or an eyebrow. Whatever, whatever you want to do to respond, that's fine. You get, you get the point. Okay, here's the quiz. <clears throat> How quick are you to ask for directions when you're lost? Now, I, I'm, I'm really directionally challenged, but I, I'm, re- I'm slow. To ask for directions. I had something about it. I don't like to humble myself and say, hey, I don't know where I'm going. Would you help me out here? Do you keep trying to one-up your family and friends? You compare yourself to what they have, what you have, try to prove your superiority. Yeah, it's a losing battle eventually. Um, everybody but one person on the earth is going to have more than than everybody else. Um, Everybody's going to have less than the one person. Um, Are you you gauging your self-worth by your latest performance? How quickly do you resort to reading the instructions when you're putting something together? Do you ever watch the video? That takes a lot more time. You can scan the instructions, but watching the video, that's, that's tough. Can you celebrate the success of others? Do you squeeze successful people out of your life? If you do, maybe they intimidate you. Maybe this is driven by jealousy or insecurity. Do you need to have a say in everything? You just, you, you, you know what's best and you just want to control the direction of things. Do you have to have a say in everything? <clears throat> We're in the middle of a series called Blindsided, and we're looking at stuff inside of us, thought patterns, emotions, attitudes. They lurk inside, and they wait to pounce, and we're surprised by them at times. So we're working on awareness. Uh, we get blindsided by these things, and if we're aware that they could happen, it really helps us. To not get so blindsided and minimize the damage that's done. So today we're addressing pride. You may have figured that out uh, by the quiz. Um, pride is at the root of so many of our problems. Uh, my aim today is to provide some valuable insights from what the Bible says about pride and dealing with it. And... To begin with, I think we need to deal with the reality of pride. Pride is so easy to see in others, but not in ourselves. This is what Jesus said about judging others, Matthew 7. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, 
when there is a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus is saying here, we, we notice a little pride a lot in others. <laughs> but we're able to ignore a lot of pride in ourselves. This is just the way it works. This is, this is life. This is the way it flows. It's so easy to judge what others do wrong. And this is his point. It's general, but I'm applying it to, to pride. Uh, it's easy to judge what others do wrong, especially as it relates to, to pride and self-promotion. They, they sneak up on us. Our, our first thought, think, think, if you think about it, your, your first thought, my first thought, is when, when you mess up, when you blow it in some way, is, eh, you know, it's understandable. Cut me some slack. Would you cut me some slack? It's so easy to overlook the wrong that we do. That's what Jesus is saying. So today I aim to provide perspective for dealing with pride by diagnosing where pride came from, how it became a thing we must deal with, then by looking at the damage it causes, and finally what to do about it. So diagnose damage do. That's what we're looking at today. So let's diagnose and uncover the source of pride. We can learn a lot about life and what's going on in the world from the account of creation in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1 through 3, but we can also learn a lot from the very first sin that was ever committed in the history of human beings by the first couple, it shows the nature of sin and the root of it. Genesis 3, 4 through 5 says, But the serpent said to the woman, Satan was in the form of serpent, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, God had set some boundaries up in the garden. He said, you can have... You can eat from any of these plants, any of these trees, but this one, don't eat from this one. And so Satan, in the form of the servant, is tempting the woman by telling her that breaking through the boundaries God established would make her like him. That was part of the temptation. You're going to know what God knows. And there's something in us human beings, we, we want to be the smartest person in the room, don't we? And so it started with our, the mother of all of us. <laughs> and the, the father of all of us, Adam. So the man was standing right there with her. Satan is very strategic by appealing to pride. He claims they can have the knowledge, the power, the control that is reserved for God himself if they disobey him. So they both take a bite of the forbidden fruit. The rest is history, as we say, giving in to the temptation that appealed to their pride and caused them to doubt the goodness of God. That's what he, was, he was undercutting the goodness of God there. The enemy was Satan. 
Pride is the root, root of our rebellion against God. Ultimately, in the garden, we, we see the, the core problem of pride, obsession with self, this, this fear that we're going to not have everything we could have. Um, we, we all have to fight the desire to protect ourselves, manipulate others, jockey for the best position, pretend, inflate, brag. The problem of pride has been addressed in stories, in mythology, in characters on TV, books, movies. And any of the ways that the lessons of our culture come out, because it's, it's such a problem we deal with, easier to see in others. You know, oh, wow, they're a little stuck up, aren't they? Um, the Greek god Narcissus was a handsome man who many people fell in love with. Uh, they, they really loved this guy, but he showed total disdain and contempt for others. Uh, my, my impression is, what a pain to be around. I mean, nobody wants to be around a guy that you really think is, you know, an attractive person, and you... He treats you with disdain, contempt. My impression is that he he repelled people with his arrogance. He literally got stuck on himself. <laughs> you know, you ever hear, you ever say that about somebody? They're they're stuck on themselves. I, I I've thought it. I'm not quite sure I've ever uttered the words. I probably have. I just can't remember the last time. They're stuck on themselves. He literally, he saw his own reflection in a pool, didn't realize that it was only a reflection, and fell in love with himself. <laughs> and that eventually destroyed him. When he found out it was only a reflection, he committed suicide. This is the myth of narcissism. The narcissist, the first one, <laughs> narcissist. Um, self-obsession comes out in at least three ways. First, we get narcissistic, wanting to be the center of things. Second, pride can grow out of insecurity. We, we can really be blindsided by this one. We can feel insecure of our looks, our competence, our skill, our past, our status, whatever, just long list of stuff that can make us insecure. We want people to think better of us, uh, to like us. Uh, this also comes from pride. It's, it stems from that self-obsession. A third way that self-obsession rears its ugly head at times, we tend to believe we're the smartest person in the room. We tend to believe that. Here's a clip that illustrates this from a British TV show, a comedy sketch show called That Mitchell and Webb Look. Let's watch it together. Lionel, can I get you a drink? Yeah, something soft. I'm driving. Parking's an absolute nightmare around here, isn't it? Had to reverse into the tiniest of spaces. Still, I managed it. I mean, parking's not exactly brain surgery, is it? <laughs> and I should know. 
besides that, are you a doctor? Careful. Not a doctor. I'm a brain surgeon. Big difference. Big difference. Yeah, I actually know a joke about this. What's the difference between a doctor and a brain surgeon? One's not exactly brain surgery. The other is brain surgery. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do you guys do? I'm an accountant. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I could do with an accountant. Filling in those tax forms can get really confusing, can't it? Still, it's not exactly brain surgery, is it? <laughs> I mean, brain surgery, believe me, is very complex. Are you an accountant, too? Uh, no, I work for a charity. Oh, that's a very selfless job, isn't it? I really admire you. I don't think I could ever do what you do. <laughs> I say that because it's emotionally draining, not because it's hard. I mean, it's not exactly brain surgery, is it? Which, as a brain surgeon, is what I do. Lionel, here's your drink. Lionel's a brain surgeon, you know. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it. Oh, Jess, I keep you late at the space centre. As always. Have you met Lionel? Uh, no, hello, Lionel. So, Jeff, how do you earn a crust? Uh, oh, I'm a scientist. I, I work mainly with rockets. It's, it's um, pretty tough work. Um, what do you do? Why, well, I don't mean to boast, but uh, I'm a brain surgeon. Brain surgery? <laughs> oh, exactly rocket science. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is a losing battle to fight, and it doesn't, it's irrelevant, really, in our relationships. It's just the, the way it flows. Everybody but one person on earth can end up in a room with a smarter person than themselves. And that's kind of subjective, isn't it? I mean, how do you gauge that? This circles us back to the first sin and the desire to have more knowledge than anyone else, even God. This is the diagnosis the Bible gives for the problem of pride. Beyond diagnosing pride, it helps see the damage it causes. I'm going to turn the corner and survey some of the damage, the devastation done by pride. Check out this passage in the New Testament, which clarifies the damage done by pride. It was written by James, Jesus' half-brother. He had a close-up look at Jesus' life from childhood on, so... He knew what was most important to him, to Jesus. And he followed Jesus devoutly to his own death. He was martyred for his faith in Jesus. James three thirteen through 16 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. This Meekness is an interesting word. It's strength under control. And it's you have the strength to power up on somebody, but you hold it back. It, it flows out of humility. That's a very wise thing to do, it turns out. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. This passage in James, written by Jesus' brother, 
is a reminder of the rebellion account in Genesis 3, in a way. Satan worked in the garden to fuel self-obsession by raising a question and stirring a fear of missing out. God just, you know, wanted you to be below him, and you can be equal to him if you just take a bite of this forbidden fruit. Satan still works this way to tempt us, tempt us. James says, pride is not something to boast about or take lightly. When we get into pride, we're marching to the beat of Satan's drum. You can see the strong words found in James. Bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Pride leads to all these things. And this is, this is from the enemy himself. It's demonic. James goes on to show the consequence of this pride and rebellion to God's ways. There will be disorder and every vile practice. Selfish ambition causes disorder. It, because one of the things it does is it, it leads us to get things out of order in the way that we relate to the people around us, the way that we do projects, because we inflate our own importance in a given situation. And it forces us to put ourselves, or it leads us to put ourselves first, and that causes all kinds of trouble in our lives. Pride is the driver for selfish ambition, for jealousy. Disorder in this passage, it, it, it talks about every vile practice. Disorder refers to the damage that's done by selfish ambition and pride flows out of pride. Nobody warms up to someone who feels superior, who's judgmental, who isolates themselves. The British guy was putting himself, putting himself above everyone else in that conversation that he was having. And this, this makes relationships uh, very difficult. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to hang out with that guy at the party. I could tell you that. You may have used mosquito repellent, repellent before. May, you know, use the key ingredient is DEET. Well, pride is people repellent. And arrogance is the primary <laughs> ingredient of that. Jealousy and selfish ambition harden our heart toward others. And the people tend to bounce off. You see, God wants our heart to be soft and pliable so he can shape us. Heart of stone can't be shaped. Problem with a hard heart is that people can't get close to us or they don't want to get close to us because we're as cold as ice. Have you heard this song? Um, the lyrics paint the picture of the cost of arrogance. Listen to them.
took everything in me not to sing with it. <laughs> but you got, it would have ruined it for you. <laughs> but that, that shows up in songs, this kind of thing shows up in songs, stories, myths, because we, we know the damage that's done by arrogance and pride and the way it just throws away friendships and family relationships. Proverbs 18:12 says, "Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor." This is the way that the way it flows. Pride pride will cost you. And it it blindsides you by doing damage in all of life. Sometimes you're you, you just it, it just sneaks up on you and you don't realize you're choosing an arrogant thing. The scripture says, Ecclesiastes says that uh, self-exaltation, arrogance is going to be in us till the day we die. So it's something we just got to keep in check because it, it can blindside us at any given time. It ruins friendships. It's blockage to intimacy. It causes others to lose respect. And it means you lose out on opportunities. It makes you lose sleep because you can't figure out where the trouble is coming from. But you are the one who knows better. It robs you of your peace of mind. Pride, pride doesn't generate wisdom. Humility does. Humility is an element of wisdom. And so there's the diagnosis and the damage. Pride doesn't have to win the day. So let's look at what God chose us to do. Let God lead and shape us. That's what he tells us to do. Nothing shatters pride like humility. Proverbs 2, 3 through 4 is a fantastic definition of pride. Do nothing from selfish ambition or, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We all have self-interest, it's, it's, and it's, it's okay to take care of your responsibilities, to look out for your own interests. We, these are from God. God gives us these stewardships, which means we're managing these things uh, hopefully in a way that honors him. God God expects this. We, we look to our own interests because God's given us this life to manage, but as we're handling our own responsibilities, as we're looking to our own interests, say we're at work or in the family, we're doing what we should be doing, as we're doing that, we're to look up and look around and try to serve the interests of others as much as possible. This, this is the picture here. Christ followers should look for ways to serve the interests of others and bless them. In humility, we treat others as more significant than us. We know they're not. I mean, we're all equal. But we treat them that way. Jesus told a story of how to practice this in everyday life. And I'd like to show you a cartoon that illustrates it well. Uh, this this was there's a TV series called McGee and Me. Uh, McGee was a car, cartoon character who came to life, and at the very beginning of every episode, they would 
put together a cartoon. They would show a cartoon that illustrated the Bible passage that the episode was built on. It was really well done. And I, I was going to look at Jesus' parable in Luke 14, but this, this shows it. So let's watch it together. And noticing that all who came to the dinner were trying to sit near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. If you are invited to a wedding feast, don't always head for the best seat. Then you shows up, the host will bring him over to where you are sitting and say, Let this man sit here instead. Uh, here? And you, embarrassed, will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. <laughs> Do this instead. Start at the foot of the table. And when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place than this for you. Thus, you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For everyone who tries to honor himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be honored. That this, this approach that Jesus lays out beautifully in the parable, and that was illustrated in the cartoon, it's opposite of human nature. I mean, I've been to award shows, to I mean award banquets, and there is no way I'm getting an award. But, you know, <laughs> I think maybe they're just out of the blue going to honor me. I mean, I'm just confessing. I'm just telling you how it is. Or, you know, you're in a room and you're thinking, wow, it'd be great if they acknowledged my comment and said it was the best thing they've heard all day. <laughs> That's the way I am. Have you ever raced to get in line ahead of others? Have you ever cut in on a line? Uh, or, or the restaurant's busy, you're angling toward the door, and you can see another family angling toward the door, so you sort of speed up to get there first. You don't want to be too long and waiting for a seat. Humility take, takes the back seat. It gives the best place to someone else. It allows others... When you're passing out the, the food, when you're passing it around the table, it allows others to pick the, the choice cut or the choice part of the food that you really want. <laughs> but you save it for, for the others. These are small things, but you add them up and you're beginning to live a life of humility. It makes being with you a joy. You are warm and enjoyable, not as cold as ice. People are repelled by pride. Pride is a people repellent. Humility is a magnet. Most importantly, God is pleased as you choose to look to others' interests. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. 
speaking of God. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride in this passage is a picture of going toe-to-toe with God in a fight. That's crazy. That is nuts. But pride puts us in that position. There's a promise for those who choose humility in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. He'll exalt you in due time. You humble yourself. That's, that's our role. As Christ, well, that takes a lot of faith. You just have to, you've got to trust God with your reputation. You've got to trust him to give you what you really need. This verse shows us that we can choose to be humble instead of waiting to be humiliated. We can choose to humble ourselves and life goes better if we do. Here's some guidance on how to practice humility. I'm going to wrap up with this. First of all, choose gratitude throughout your day. Gratitude reminds us that we're not self-made. That's a myth. God has given us more than we deserve. Gratitude is like getting your spine adjusted at the chiropractor. It puts things in the right place and life flows better. Second, take the low place. Serve others instead of demanding that they serve you. You you choose to do what others don't want to do, even if it's not your job. This has a way of keeping us humble. This is what Jesus showed us to do. He washed the feet of his early followers. Third, push others into the spot, spotlight. Help others get credit, e- even when you want the credit yourself. Many times, pride says, what about me? What about my honor? <laughs> Humility says, how can I help them? How can I make them look good? Uh, here's an example in my own life, a way I tend to push my way into the spotlight. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. I've memorized it because I have a problem with this. Um, People love to share what they're learning. And people in conversations and discussions, they love to share their insights. And they love to say just the right thing that can really help the other person. But I catch myself adding on a lot. I used to do it more. I think I'm growing in it. You tell me. I've, I've talked to several of you. If you want to give me a grade, that's fine. Um, but I catch myself adding on. So they share an insight, and especially if, if it's about working through problems or the scriptures, you know, I'm supposed to know. <laughs> and what I do, I'm supposed to know. So I tend to add on and keep saying more and more and more. But I should just let them bask in the joy of their understanding that they're growing in. Or bask in the joy. If I need to think through first, do I really need to say this? Is this really helpful? Or am I just trying to get into the spotlight myself? I need to just let them enjoy it. These these are subtle. There are subtle ways that pride, arrogance comes out. In our life. And it, it, it can be a bummer. 
fourth, be honest with yourself and God. To cultivate humility in our own life, we need to keep checking our motives. When facing jealousy or bitterness, ask the hard questions. Why am I against them or in this, uh, against this situation? Why am I mad at God right now for this? Often, asking those questions reveal a blocked goal that may not be a worthy goal or a false understanding of how life works and how God works in the middle of our lives. It's crucial to get honest with God and ask him to speak to us through the Bible. Many times in my life, my time with God has shown me patterns of pride and hardness in my own heart. Over and over, as I listen to what God is saying to me, as I get into the Bible, read it, and I listen to what God's saying to me through Scripture, He helps me to diagnose the problem, see the damage it's causing, and then do what He leads me to do to overcome the problem. He uses our problems, he uses our self-inflicted trouble to change us, to grow us, to transform us. But I have to cooperate with him as he's doing this in me. As I wrap up, I want to encourage you to take a next step. Please take out your connection card that you began filling out earlier in the service. And take the time to finish completing that, if you will. Um, Anything you want to be involved in, anything you want to sign up for. But here are some next steps that are on the back of your listening guide that I'm suggesting. First of all, memorize James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. What will you do this week to move toward humility and away from pride? I gave quite a few suggestions on that for inviting humility into your life or for practicing humility. That's my next suggested step. Practice humility this week by. Maybe something came to mind and I'm, you know, wow, I've got to change the way I think about that, the way I handle this emotion, the way I do this. What, what's the step? that you want to take this week to move away from pride. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your kindness to us, your grace that guides us and strengthens us in the moment as we learn to walk with you in this life. I pray that, God, you would help help us to do just that, that you would give us the strength to bring honor to you in the way we live, not to grasp for the spotlight ourselves, but to honor you, Lord God. We ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.